big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are doing another Q&A. It's on tantrums, which we always get a lot of listens for. It's often a big topic for parents, lots of questions. So we're really looking forward to going through the questions that we received and um, Mm. answering them. Yes, it's so great getting these questions because we get to really specifically answer to certain elements of it because there's so much involved in it, isn't it, when there's a tantrum or there's big feelings. So this is so thank you, everybody, for your beautiful questions. It's so great. It's good. So this is such a big topic, Marion, because as you were just saying, it's it's the one thing that all humans or children perhaps do. You know, it's very common for little people to have massive feelings. And, and you know, I think in the past or I guess the behaviourism paradigm, which we've talked a lot about on our podcast you know, we have seen tantrums as something that is wrong or is bad. And we've seen it as it's a child being naughty. We need to stop it. They need to stop it. We need to shut it down. Or perhaps we try and use bribery to stop them from doing it. So, you know, the past, what we've seen, and probably for a lot of us adults or parents now, you know, we've been taught to believe that tantrums are a bad thing and that there's something wrong with your child and why are they doing that? And so hopefully in this podcast, we can just shed some more light on how tantrums are not a bad thing. And it can be a beautiful way for a child to express how they're feeling. And we can share some tools and techniques to help you be able to navigate these big feelings with you, little people or big people, because teenagers have tantrums, adults have tantrums as well. Um, So hopefully we can give you some tools so that you can sit in your center when that is happening and and um, be able to be deeply compassionate and understanding for what's going on for your child mm, anything yes. you want to say about tantrums yes. before I we jump in would i'd love to say we're going to be talking a lot about how they are a powerful healing um process and again really looking at, as you were sharing that that um that cultural lens that they will have been seen as misbehavior I love how Aletha Salter, who is the founder of the Web Parenting Institute, she talks about a few hundred years ago, if a child was having attention, they're seen as being possessed by the devil. So, you know, we are we are you know, gradually unpacking, unpeeling that cultural conditioning. I would love to add a couple more things. Number one, there's going to be little bird um, noises in the background because there are baby birds, wild baby birds literally above my head. So that's if if you if you feel at all annoyed when you're listening, perhaps think of these tiny, cute little baby birds, <laughs> parents coming in and feeding them. So it's very apt. The other thing I did want to say, and of course for all our Q and A's, is that we are always, you know, we're just responding to a sentence or a few. And of course, always please, if you're concerned in any way about your child to go and have a session or multiple uh, consultations with an aware parenting instructor or with Aletha Salter herself. So, you know, we're just giving um, our, just general information, really. We can never really give specific information when it's just a short question like this. So just wanted to uh, include that as well. That's beautiful. Do you know, I have to say that 
you know, when we first started talking about doing this podcast like two years or so ago and I was like, you know, you're like the country mouse and I'm like the city mouse, right? And it always makes me laugh because you have birds always in the background and I just imagine like you're in the forest, sitting in the forest, just doing a podcast and I can hear cars and trucks outside my window and I'm like, and there's me in the city with all the noise, right? I used to, um, it makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're bringing both elements. <laughs> Whenever I hear the birds, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at you and I can see you, but I'm just imagining that you're in the forest and you're just sitting there on a rug having a chat. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, or the bird barn. I call it the bird barn sometimes. I, I love it. I love it. It's perfect. We're just keeping it real, keeping up our podcast real. That's that's what we love about it, don't we? Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into tantrums. Um, the first question we've got really is more around what are tantrums. So the question is, I'd like to understand better why tantrums happen and how to help a kid to solve them. What words should be used, said in particular, when the kids are young, one-year-old or so? Well, so tantrums are like uh, all the elements in aware parenting. So tantrums, also like tears, also like attachment play, also talking, but less so, especially when children are younger. They're all natural healing processes that we were all innately born with. And basically all humans right from in utero experience stress and, and some degree of trauma and we also are built to have these natural processes to actually release the stress and trauma from our bodies to literally release the stress hormones and to, and to, I'm using the word literally and to literally uh, actually um, put into motion those fight or flight mechanisms that are there for our body to actually process what we didn't perhaps get to do at the time. So if a child, when they're having a tantrum, they may be, um, thrashing around and moving around and making a lot of noise. And, uh, and that is part of them releasing all the energy that was mobilized for them to move into fight or flight. So that's what the, the energy is, as they're expressing those feelings. And that's what the noise is. You know, you can, you can imagine, you know, if you've ever perhaps walked out onto the, into the road thinking the the road was clear and the and a car just comes along the adrenaline and the you know all the feelings that our bodies are mobilizing to support us in staying safe all of those are getting to be released so the tears are contain stress hormones the sweating uh contains stress 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 hormones as well so these are basically things that support children to come back into, to use your term, they'll back into balance. So it helps them feel calm and relaxed again. And the less they get to do those natural, normal things, the more those feelings stay in their bodies, leading to, to muscle tension, leading to agitation, leading to not being able to sleep, not being able to go to sleep, waking up, hitting, biting, throwing, pushing, thumb sucking, all the things that we talk about in other podcasts. So it's a real reframe rather than tantrums being seen as something bad, naughty, evil, that they are the most beautiful, wonderful, natural healing processes that we are born with to help us feel calm and relaxed. And when we're calm and relaxed, whatever age we are, we're loving and connected and cooperative and gentle, <laughs> naturally just lovely to hang out with. So love to hear what you'd like to add to that now. I just, I love that explanation. It's so beautiful. And the piece that really stood out for me when you're saying it then is when we try and stop a tantrum, so we say stop that or calm down or, you know, or even 
we try to contain their bodies sometimes in some ways. The body's not being able to process and finish exactly what it's trying to do, exactly what you're saying. And and as we'll talk about in this podcast, it's often our uncomfortability with the tantrum, with those big feelings that makes it want to stop. And also, you know, the belief system we may have been brought up with that says tantrums are bad and you're naughty and, you know, your child's getting away with it or whatever. So there's many, many elements, but I love, I just wanted to really highlight that piece. When we are shutting it down and we're trying to stop it, you know, we're not allowing the body to complete what it needs to. And we know how powerful and how important it is to actually do that. So there was a second part of this, uh, a different question, but similar vein, which was at what age would you say you can start distinguishing tantrums as different to previous expressions of feelings or needs from a baby? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because what I find as well is if we if we know about aware parenting right from you know day day dot and we listen to lots of feelings and babies have they feel big feelings they feel frustration they feel powerlessness they cry in our loving arms this is always with loving support by the way um they they might um, arch their back whilst they're in the middle of a big crying process and you can hear more about that in our babies um, episodes so i mean it's that it's that big energy and in some way or other it's not so different, although what often happens is that we can often suppress feelings when babies are babies, unless they've had big trauma, and then it can be hard to, to, to um, stop them through jiggling and rocking and feeding and all the things we do in our culture. But often what happens is when children get to more of a toddler age is there's that whole accumulation of that whole year and a half uh, and there's a whole lot of things going on in terms of their identity and their um, their will energy, as I call it, and their desire to say no and have that heard, that often those feelings come out really explosively in tantrums. So often we can see that if we listen to feelings frequently, like every day, they're less likely to build up into those really, really explosive ones. And it's really normal and natural for all children to have big, uh, loud <laughs> expressions that are so normal and natural and healthy um so in a way there isn't i would see again more like um what was what's that word like a spectrum of feelings mm-hmm. you know from from kind of whining to through to um well we can see also more like sad crying to to more like rage crying to expression of rage and frustration and powerlessness that comes out in more kind of tantrum like expressions so i would see it more like more like that. And the other thing I really want to add is because you talked about adults having tantrums, is that we often mistitle things, don't we? We often, if we like end up throwing stuff, we might say, I'm having a tantrum. And in a way of parenting, it's really important to be clear between a true ta- tantrum, which is a healthy expression of feelings where people, no one's getting hurt. I'm going to talk more about this, which is where the energy, that mobilized energy is being expressed in healthy ways and aggression so hitting biting throwing all of that kind of stuff that is we're not we're, we're differentiating out of those two things so again that would be something seen as a different thing happening mm, mm, yeah i love that i love that you know the thing that um, strikes me from what you're saying there too is that um with little with bubbers and little ones you know when they're up upset or they're you know they're angry or not even angry but they're upset we just say oh they're upset and there's there's a need we need to fix that that's often what we think whereas if it's a two-year-old and you gave them the wrong colored cup and they threw it on the floor 
we're more likely to go, well, they're having a tantrum because they can't get what they want. Whereas really, again, when we look behind that behaviour, it's usually an accumulation of stuff. It might be that they're feeling really powerless. It might be that, you know, um, well, there's many reasons which we'll talk about as, as to why those feelings might be there. So I think it is really important if we, and I, I really agree with you and I love it, that we we have feelings right from the moment we were born. We all do. And they just keep going. And we sometimes label them as, you know, the terrible twos or the threes. I, I You know, those expressions really, I don't like those at all because it's, it's like, you know, that's when they're defiant and they're this and that. No, they're actually just beautifully expressing their frustrations and their powerlessness and their pains and their hurts as they should. And they're learning how to do it. And, you know, we, we are there to support them and help them navigate that. So it's a, it's a different kind of mindset, I think, to realize that actually right from the very beginning, no child is throwing attention because they're bad. They're just trying to find their way back into balance, as I say, and that happens right from the very beginning. And it's the same with teenagers as well. Teenagers can have a whole lot of big feelings, you know, and and we might say, you should know better, you shouldn't behave that way, right? But they're human. Adults do that too. I mean, you know, we can turn that lens around and look at ourselves and go, we know better that we shouldn't yell or that we shouldn't get frustrated at the person who cut us off in the car or, but we do because we have a buildup of feelings and emotions or we haven't got our needs met or we've got past stresses and hurts. And so the human experience is we're trying really, really hard to um, find our way back into that center. And, you know, when we look at little people, our job, I always see this is to, to help guide them, is to listen, to make it safe enough for them to feel those feelings so that and then as they grow and develop, they're able to say, I am angry and this is what I need to do or I feel really sad and I need to cry. And when they know that it's safe for those feelings to be seen and heard, they're more likely to be deeply in tune with them and then ask for what they need you know, as they, as they move through life. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big stretch, isn't it? Of what we've been conditioned to believe as a culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love what you said there, Leanne, as well. It's to, to, it's about the, the environment. So these are all inbuilt processes for us all to, to cry, to rage, to, to sweat, to shake, to play, to release stress and trauma but what is required is an environment where there is the number one, the understanding of that process and what's required. And number two, the capacity in, in the adult or adults around to actually be able to listen. So children, babies and children are constantly picking up on our cues as to whether we actually, number one, understand what they're trying to do. And they're not doing this consciously. And number two, they actually, that we as adults have are creating the environment where they, they know those feelings are welcome. So that's often so much about what this is about. And actually these questions are to support us in um, Mm. having more capacity for that. The other thing I love what you were saying in terms about learning, learning around processing is that aware parenting is quite different from other approaches, which tend to have almost a little bit of a shaming approach to children. It's, you know, they poor them, they can't control themselves. They have a immature prefrontal cortex and, you know, from an aware parenting perspective, this, there's, it's not anything wrong with them. In fact, it's more that we uh, in this culture learn to repress those feelings or suppress those feelings. And actually we will be much more healthy for us if we all, and of course not necessarily like right in the middle of, you know, while we're driving a car, but if we all were naturally able to express and release this, the frustration, the stress, the trauma, we would live in a very different world. So rather than seeing as 
smaller humans as inferior in some way else to be kind of almost pitied like oh poor them they don't know how to process feelings and it's like no these are how wonderful that they still are able to express those feelings and then haven't suppressed them to the point that we often have as adults again it's a really there's a lot of ways in which where parenting turns uh, tantrums on the head to go yay they're wonderful things and of course the other thing that we want to preface is of course where parenting is all about it's a form of attachment parenting so it's it's um you know the the foundation of it is of course we're doing whatever we can to meet their needs and and all of those things and reduce their experiences of powerlessness and giving them lots of choice and agency and autonomy all of that stuff so of course they have less stress less trauma to express in the first place so that's another foundational mm-hmm. piece yeah absolutely yes how can we Yes, that's such a big one. How can we minimise the stress to begin with, which may be not doing being so busy, which is making sure they've had food to eat, which is making sure they might have some quiet rest time or connection or all those things. Yes, so it doesn't have to build up to that, that point. I remember actually, I'm just thinking of a story many years ago, kind of early on in my way of parenting, um, my middle daughter and maybe she was about eight, seven or eight at the time. So, So I was kind of a little bit into her parenting and we ended up last minute, she'd had a big day at school. Then we ended up last minute going out for dinner. And then as soon as we got to dinner, like she just lost the plot. Right. And, and everything I was doing wasn't helping. And we were in this standoff for ages. And I remember feeling really, really confronted with the situation. And I think I called you about it and just was like, well, I just, I tried this and I tried that and nothing happened. And, and you said to me, perhaps she was just so overwhelmed. She'd been at school all day. It just wasn't a good idea to go for dinner. And I was like, Oh yeah. It didn't even occur to me to think about perhaps that was just a bit too much. <laughs> and she was just responding in the way that she knew how, which was, I'm a capacity here. I can't deal with anymore. And now you want me to sit in a restaurant and nah, it's not happening. And I kept looking for these reasons of why and instead of actually pulling back a bit and just going, oh, yeah, I wasn't really attuned to her and reading the situation to go too much, too much. Yeah. And of course her response is going to be that because it was too much. So yeah, I'm just going to share that little story just to make it know that just there is no perfect in this. I really hope people, when I run my emergency, they're like, tell me more times when you stuffed up. I'm like, oh my God, this is so many times (laughs) because it is such a work in progress. Nobody gets it right. There's no perfect, right? So please be compassionate with yourself. I mean, I think we have so much compassion with other humans because we also know how many times we've stuffed up and the compassion we have with ourselves. So all right I want to say one more thing which is like so really when you were sharing about that I remembered um a time a a few years ago and I was in a got stuck in traffic and and just that day I think I'd had lots of other stressful things and I felt so overwhelmed and I really stayed present with how I felt in my body and I really realized it was like the first time I'd realized I mean you know I've been playing with overwhelm for many years as a highly sensitive person but how uncomfortable it is how uncomfortable we feel in our bodies when we've had too much stimulation or not enough choice or so I invite you as a listener to remember a time where you felt that and it might be you know just in a position maybe it's often when we don't have again power agency or choice it could be when our computer's broken or we're in a um, you know in a traffic jam or you know the present world situation that might be stimulating that for many people is how how big and how uncomfortable those feelings can be and how the the power of actually just letting them out and having a big cry releasing all that stress from our bodies and I think it can be really helpful 
to remind ourselves how we felt in that position so that we can have again so much compassion for our children just to go oh sweetheart I am th- I've got layer words sweetheart just let it out because it's, it's really uncomfortable to hold that in and our children do not they don't want to they don't want to be holding all that in and the more we try and suppress or go there there or here's another cookie or you know it's okay they're holding all that feeling of those feelings and that's really uncomfortable and the more they hold those in the less they're able to sleep or concentrate or cooperate so yeah or sometimes have fun or enjoy things because they're so tight it's like (laughs) <laughs> I just had this like a bad comparison. It's like being constipated. It doesn't feel good. Right? Emotional constipation is. It totally it? is. You feel like your stomach hurts and you feel tight. And nothing feels good because it's all kind of jammed in there. And that's what it can feel like with feelings as well. It can be all tight and jammed in there. And, and then it doesn't make want to make you have fun and dance and feel great, does it? Because everything's stuck. You just feel grumpy. And anyway, I love that we just talked about poo. Okay, let's move on. And I do want to add one more thing before, and I want I think this is all helpful as a preface to this. It's like, you know, when your child's just agitated, maybe they're lying in bed and they're kicking the covers off and they're wiggling around or, you, you know, you want them to do to sit down at the dinner table or at the table to do some work and they're wiggling and they're wobbling and they're being silly and goofy. It's like, to remember, they are not enjoying that. They feel uncomfortable and a tantrum or a big cry is going to help that all that energy come out of their bodies. It's so basic and simple, really. Like that's Feather the Frenchie snorting there. That's not me. Um, you know, they feel so much more comfortable afterwards yeah. as long as we're there with them listening. So as, as we talk about all these tantrums to think about more tantrums, releases more from their bodies means they can sleep more they can be calm and present they can cooperate they can be naturally gentle with their sibling and the pet all of those things that's what tantrums help them do tantrums are like therapy for they kids. are it's an emotional release i i mean like we've shared this in our our podcast many times like i came to aware parenting when my son was eight and my middle daughter was four and you know there was a lot of shutting down of feelings i'd done because i did not know how to deal with tantrums i just tried to distract them from it all the time or keep them happy it was so confronting because i did not know i saw them as bad and then when i began to understand this and then see it actually as a wonderful thing oh my god i would celebrate when it would happen and i'd be like oh yes we're all going to feel so much better now and and as I learned to sit in that with my kids it became not I I wasn't scared of it anymore and actually I could just see how powerful it was I could literally see my child walk in the room and I'd see they're uptight and I'm like oh they need to let this out they need a release and how can we do that which brings me to my next question because this is a gold one this is exactly kind of what we're talking about here so this question is my oldest son is five years old and had a very difficult day all day he was very explosive and punching his brother for every tiny thing I was hoping all day for a tantrum so he could let go of all that pent-up tension I tried giving full attention attachment play like power reversal but I do not get him to laugh so at the end of the day I almost lost it is there anything i do i can do to trigger a tantrum or something well there's this magic thing called loving limits and i like to take and acknowledge that i made up a term which i'm very happy about um is is to find something they're going to be constantly locating the feelings on something you know that exactly as you said like the the plate isn't the color that they want or you haven't spread the the toast in the accurate way and so often we'll just try I would love to hear actually some of the ways you try to do you know we'll try and go oh okay I'll do it and of course we're not saying don't meet their needs if they're feeling calm and relaxed this is the thing I used to always have with my kids when they're younger feeling calm and relaxed and they clearly have an unmet need of course we do everything we can to meet that need if they are clearly 
desperately wanting to have a big cry or a big tantrum they're going to be constantly showing us they're going to be constantly putting things in front of us and they'll say things like well you know don't look at me or that's no you haven't done that right or that's not quite enough this or this feels tight or they're constantly trying to locate the feelings on something and all we need to do is to offer a loving limit which is something some version of um like, you know I'm not willing to do that sweetheart or you know not right now or I I see that you're upset and I'm not willing for you to do that or you know whatever it is the love and the limit and just to then listen to the feelings they will be constantly inviting that and when we see it through that lens we go aha that's what they're trying to do we can just offer the limit they have a big cry big tantrum and then we are less likely to get frustrated because if they're looking for all those pretexts and we're going oh fix it fix it fix it, fix it we're going to be pissed off as hell we're not going to be able to do anything that's helpful after a couple yeah. of hours of that so and and also too they probably play probably won't work in that moment so if it's really built up then playing power vessel games and and this you know um person was saying they they wouldn't laugh they wouldn't let it out because it's almost it's gone too far like that's where we need the tears to come out so you might try being playful as a way to meet the need of something's going on but if i used to say if the kids don't take the bait to play and laugh then usually it's a limit and and you know i think what we do as parents again because we're often scared of the tantrum is we we try and appease as many ways as we can and then before we know it we're doing some ridiculous thing <laughs> we're holding the book a funny way on one leg trying to make it all okay <laughs> for them really whereas you know i used to say to parents try and call it earlier like you can mm-hmm. see when they walk in the room like the first time they hit their younger brother ah there's something going on for them you you know you tune into your child and you can see they're unhappy so then perhaps the loving limit is next time they go to hit the brother, you go in and you get in between them. And I'm not willing for you to hit your younger brother. And you really hold that limit and you hold the space for it, or you say no around something else. And then you, you know, the feelings come from that. But I love so much what you're saying, Marion, because they will, they'll keep looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing to almost push up against. And if we keep trying to make it all okay it's just going to delay the inevitable like it really really needs to come out so you know that's where I often you know come back to going sometimes play is beautiful because it can help shift the powerlessness but in a situation like that I would just move in with a loving limit Um, amazing phrase I would move in with a loving limit just much earlier and hold the space for those feelings that would come out and look some children Sometimes I used to say about my middle child, she would make me work for it. Some kids make you work for those tears and those big feelings. And so each child is very different. Like my youngest child, you could just easily say, no, we're not doing that, sweetheart. And then she would just lose it. It would be right there and you wouldn't have to work hard. Others kind of might resist the going into the feelings a bit. And that's where you might need to bring a bit more connection or stay really present with them. Or you might need to come in closer to them. You might need to touch them. You need to perhaps check where you're at, your energy of whether I am okay with this. You know, there's a few little bits and pieces we might have to explore until we find that exact point where, yes, the feelings come out. So It's not a kind of just do A, B, C and then it'll happen because every child is different and I think each situation is different and um, it is about kind of tuning into your child and also, you know, watching and observing and being curious as to where those feelings are sitting and what is going to allow them to come out. Like I often say that, 
you know, if you say something, it makes them angry. You're like, oh, you're getting closer. It's warmer. (laughs) Like, you know, when you play the game, warm, 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 hot, hot, hot. You say something that makes them angrier. You're like, oh, okay, we're getting, we're getting hotter because we're getting to the point where the feelings are just sitting perhaps underneath that at all there's something there's something there so it's it's not about going up to your child and kind of poking them going you need to cry so I'm going to make you cry it is coming to them with compassion and gentleness but a holding that says hey I I can hold whatever you've got here and this isn't too big for me and I'm going to just keep working to make it safe for you to let it out that's the energy that we want to come to our children with Mm. Okay, I've got another question that kind of leads into this. Uh, Hi, since I was pregnant with baby number two, my toddler has shown a strong preference for his daddy. It's on and off, but at times it's very overwhelming as he won't let me change him, bathe him, take him to the park, etc. It's led to many, many tantrums and I'm looking for ways to try and support him and myself during these meltdowns. My toddler is three and my bub is soon to turn one. Often when um, there's a preference for one parent, often more when it's a preference for the main caretaker, which is often in our culture still the mum, and please adjust it depending on your family situation. Um, And then at that point, I would suggest we can play attach and play games and usually can be dad saying, but please, please, won't you let me play with you? Please, can I pick your nose, you know, to really stay in there. But I'd say often when it's this way around, like, so it's the the mum I'm imagining who is probably with the baby more often, is often our children will communicate to us how we feel. So often, as we've talked before, and we talked last week in the siblings episode, it's really, really, really painful for, um, you're right, Lil. <laughs> you get crowded. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really, really painful for older siblings when there's a new baby in the family. And often, you know, particularly if it is the mum who's maybe more the main caretaker, which again, is not always the, the case, which is so wonderful. But if it is, you know, it can be really, really painful for them to see us holding the baby and if we're breastfeeding and cuddling and doing all the yummy things, it's really normal and natural for them to have big, big feelings. And some of the ways that can show up is that they can actually um, push us away, to, which is uh, part of them expressing to us how they felt, that they feel a deep sense of loss and yeah, basically a deep sense of loss. So again, I would see is just really trusting that this lovely little um three-year-old and all the meltdowns and the tantrums and again just really trusting that that they are that's the the meltdown the tantrum is expressing this you know I feel so powerless you brought this new baby into the home I didn't I didn't ask for this I was having a lovely time being the only child and having lots of time and connection now I have less time with you I feel powerless I feel this deep sense of loss because our relationship is so different you have less time for me and Mm. I mean we if as we talked again last week if we were in that position with our partner we would be having we would be raging and thumping their chests and crying and how could you do this to me wouldn't we and we you may have done that if you've been in that situation so just to, to say the more we can understand compassionately that this is expressing all the feelings all the heartfelt painful feelings and and doing as always we talk about as much support for yourself as much listening time for yourself and empathy buddy go to the facebook group and find an empathy buddy if you haven't got one and the the natural normalness of just so many big feelings and having a new sibling Mm, i i love that and i mean i the way i see it is this is that saying he doesn't want you is the loving limit right? And you being able to say, actually, sweetheart, I'm going to take you to the park. 
and then be able to hold the feelings that come. No, I want daddy. I want, and no, you want daddy, sweetie, but I'm going to take you to the park. You can tell me how you feel about it. And you just be present with his upset around you changing his nappy or bathing him or whatever, because that, as Marion said, is going to move the feelings. Like that is the loving limit. You are the loving limit, right? In saying, no, I'm actually going to take you. And and again, when we can come to hold space in that without the, why is he rejecting me? What's wrong with me? What have I done? If you can come to that energetically with, ah, yes, darling, bring it. I'm here. This is so good. You might find that it that it might shift quicker. It might feel a bit easier for you. Maybe go to a different depth. You know, the, the way that we view it and the energy we bring to it can make such a difference as well when we're holding space for our kids. So yeah, I think that's it. And and not an uncommon question at all, that one. I've, you know, many times people navigate that. Okay, I'm going to keep I moving. I also add um, really beautiful to think about it, that basically we're communicating unconditional love, that they're, they're saying basically, do you still love me? Because you, you're not hanging out with me much and you're frustrated, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. what they're wanting is to know that we do still unconditionally love them. So whenever we're, they're like pushing us away, I still, I love you, sweetheart. I love you. It's really hard, isn't it? Now the baby's mm-hmm. I, I love you just as much as I did. I have love in my heart for both of you. And so we're also communicating that to them. And there's also a quick little attachment play game, the, the he's mine or she's mine game, which I think is a Lawrence Cohen one from Playful Parenting, which again can be really supportive to help children express feelings, not, not when they're having a tantrum, but other times to go, no, but I want you, but no, but I want to give you a million kisses. No, but she's mine. They can often laugh a lot to really have that their cup filled up that we do still love them even though you know there's there's the time is shared now with two or more siblings yeah beautiful okay next question is tips on how to handle preschooler who point blank refuses to take part in any activity you're pretty sure they like enjoy and you have and you've been to before example swimming or ballet lessons then bam they totally refuse to participate won't tell you why uncomfortable feelings usually it's the tantrums next so again, we can see it as a similar to what we were talking about before. It's like just seeing the point where the feelings show up. And so again, this isn't something that they, if they really don't like it, but if they've clearly liked it before and then suddenly there are feelings, we can just, again, hold that balance of attention, hold that loving limit, not coercing them, but just saying, I really hear that you don't want to go, sweetheart, and uh, um, we're going to go. I'm, I'd love to take you there but not actually pushing them into the car or pushing them at the door, but just staying there. I mean, we might actually not go at all, but we might just keep on talking about, I really hear you, sweetheart. And I really remember that you've enjoyed going before. And I'd really love to take you this time. I mm. hear that you don't want to go, sweetheart. Mm. So we can keep giving empathy. And that's the thing in the loving limit. We can say, mm. I really hear that you don't want to go. And I'd really like to take you, sweetheart. Mm. And, and to hold that that point where they can have big big cries and big big cries and then you might find out they go actually I do want to go and mm. something might have happened something might have happened as well was it swimming swimming or ballet yeah, yeah. and yeah. of course we want to find out if mm. this continues on something might have happened at swimming or ballet mm. so the teacher might have been harsh mm. or some other kid might have done something so mm. what will happen often is when we sit with listening to the tantrums they will often then either during the, that or afterwards tell us no but I don't mm. want to go because the teacher shouted at me or or Susie pulled my toy or whatever it was and then we might 
choose not to take them or we might go and have a conversation or whatever it is but it's through the expression that we will actually get clear about what's going on um i think they talked about um uh won't tell you why they often won't tell us why but they'll often will in the actual expression that will, mm. that that is when it will come out yes totally uh, I've had many experiences like that with my kids over time like whether it's been going to kinder or dance class or swimming like one time my daughter did have some big fears and stuff around swimming and I could see that it was really stuck there so I, I would say we're going to go to swimming and she'd be like no and she'd get really upset and we hadn't even walked out the door or anything and I would just go ah I yeah I'm here with you we are still going to swimming though and every time I'd say we're still going she would get loud and more feelings and 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 then you know she would move through it and then she would happily jump in the car and we'd go to swimming and and it wasn't about swimming it was I mean it was on some level it was about something that happened at swimming last time that she needed to move and process um but and it only happened maybe two or three times and then it became yes we're going to swimming amazing and then off we went so so sometimes it's really holding that beautiful you know, that beautiful balance of attention that we talk about where we can really just hold those feelings there with that safety, emotional safety, and allow them to express it without forcing them to do something. Sometimes just saying we're going to do it and we're hearing them is enough to bring the feelings to the surface. So it is a delicate balance though. Like, and I think it's really good to reiterate, we don't want to force or coerce our kids into doing something. And you know, we sh- yeah, look, when kids are little and they're toddlers as well, you know, if they don't want to go to ballet class or things feel too big and overwhelming, it's not the end of the world. You know, I think it's really important to tune into them of what feels okay and what doesn't, but um, it can feel very confronting and challenging. You know, there's lots of nuances within this of everything that we're talking about. Again, it's not just a take these steps. It is really tuning into your child and watching and observing and seeing what's going on for you and all those kind of things. So yeah, it can be very delicate as well. Mm, I really love you speaking to that. And I think really holding that so often children do get forced to do things that they don't want to do and that we want them to go places and get in the car and go to the shops and da da da. And so often they don't want to do as much as we want them to do. So I think also, yeah, really holding that in mind. I'm so glad that you're really excited. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question about older children. Can you talk about tantrums in children above the age of five? Hmm. I wonder if you want to start there first, Lael. I have a sense that you can. Well, I just, I mean, I, look, you can, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to think where I'm going to go with this. I mean, I, I just see full expression, whether it's raging or anger or crying, it's wonderful no matter what age it is, right? I think we've still had this thing that past the age of five or six, children should be able to walk into the room. Like a nine-year-old should be able to walk into the room and say, I had a very stressful day, day today at school today, mum. You know, I had a substitute teacher and they weren't very warm and compassionate. And then Charlie wouldn't play with me at recess. And then I felt like I was a bit of a failure because I didn't know how the answer to the maths questions. And then I didn't get picked in the basketball team and that felt very stressful for me. And so I'm feeling very pent up and, um, and I have a lot of feelings going on. Like, no, we expect that our nine-year-olds, we expect our four-year-olds, we expect our teenagers to probably come in and say that, but they don't because they're still learning. We don't even say that. We don't as adults. We come in and we just fire off all our control and misplace anger onto everyone else when we've had a hard day, right? So I think it's really important. I, I like To keep it simple, I say this all the time, always look behind the behaviour. There's always something. There's a reason why your nine-year-old is 
you know, why do I always have to take the dog for a walk and that's not fair and, you know, Sally never has to do anything and, you know, I hate you. Like there's, there's a reason all those feelings are coming out. And, and our job, or I believe our job as a parent, is to meet that with curiosity and be like, whoa, something's going on here. Hey, I'm here. I'm here to make it safe enough to get past what you're saying so we can get to what's sitting underneath. So I see big expressions of feelings in older kids, whether it is a nine-year-old or a teenager or, you know, young adults, even adults, that that if we can be connected to our centre, we are able to always look behind and go, hmm, what's there and how can I make it safe enough for you to express what's really happening? That's That's how I view it. So... You know, if my 13-year-old walks in to the kitchen and she's grumpy and she's throwing something on the bench and whatever, you know, my first thought, and I say, I share this all the time, is like she's waving a red flag. She's gone, there's something going on for me. You know, I'm feeling something. That's that's kind of what we're de- decoding the behaviour of what she's saying. And my job in that moment is to lean in to make it safe enough for those feelings to come out, which could be being playful, which could be point blank just asking her, hey, oof, what's going on? Or it could be, you know, a limit needs to be set and then seeing what happens there. So I I think it's curiosity at any age. It's my partner. If my husband walks in the room and he starts like, you know, I know his pattern so well when he's angry, he starts angry cleaning and he starts like criticising how the house isn't clean or something, which is fabulous because when he wants to really work through that angry cleaning, he cleans all the house. I love it. It works for me, right? It's not a bad thing. Great control pattern, isn't it? I used to have that one. I lost it, unfortunately. <laughs> but when I see that happen, you know, our we have been perhaps conditioned or what we learn is to react to that mm. and, you know, fire back and, you know, defend ourselves or whatever. Whereas I kind of like look and just go, oof, what's happening, babes? We've got the angry clean going on. And you'll be like, no, I don't. And I'm like, hmm okay, where are you? Like, you know, I just lean into it gently and, you know, we've been together long enough now that he will soften pretty quickly and then I'll be like, what's what's really going on here? And then he'll talk about it. Now, he's an adult. I do the same thing in my own way. We all can do that instead of actually being able to just identify the feeling, come up to someone and say, I feel so sad at the moment or I feel so scared at the moment or I feel, I feel really out of control or I feel really overwhelmed. Like we we often still have a hard time being able to just sit and identify that and then bring that to someone and say, hey, can you help hold this with me? You know, with that we still work, that's still really challenging for us to do. And mainly because we were never modeled how to stay in tune with our feelings and how to work with them and how to just feel them and let them go. So, you know, coming back to tantrums in, in older children, I think it is still a healthy expression and it is a an invitation to say, hey, can you help me? Can you support me? Can you not make me wrong for doing this? Can you not shame me for behaving this way? I really do think we have a much higher expectation of children's emotional intelligence and and expression than we do of even our own as adults. I really do believe that. Yeah, I love all of that now. Do you know, I'm thinking of a couple of things as well as I'd love to share as my son until he was about 12. I used to talk, I think I've shared on this podcast, like a flipped up head around expressing frustration and rage. And it was often around a computer thing, playing a game. And he would just literally, it was almost like it was an advert in England when I grew up where it was the toothpaste with the flipped up head. And I just sort of like, he'd, he'd like open his mouth and just go, ah, and just like let it all out. And I remember once 
um, someone I know walking past a house and texting me. It's like, is everything okay? <laughs> and to me, that's what I, you know, I love what you say is because actually I do think the whole point is as we go on further and further, we do get more deeply welcoming of this energy, this rage, outrage, frustration. In my work, Not Aware Parenting, I call that will energy. And to me, that's what mobilizes us to, to say no, to take action, to stand for our values. It's really important energy when we, when we really make friends with it. So I know for me, also the process has been, when I feel that, to welcome it. And sometimes it is just, just going, Rah! and expressing it without needing to get into fights with people but just welcoming which is what tantrums are it's just the welcoming it without moving into aggression it's beautiful gorgeous life energy it's really important and the more we befriend it as a culture i mean if we befriended outrage and frustration we wouldn't be able to live in a in a domination well disconnected domination culture because that is all the powerlessness all the frustration all the outrage it's beautiful natural healthy energy so the more we help our children just exactly as you said welcoming at any age it's beautiful nothing wrong with it it's when it's demonized that it turns into aggression it turns into fighting mm -hmm. it turns into war welcomed as it's not in its natural state with people who can welcome it it's beautiful we have a podcast called i'm angry which is really good to listen to if you want more juice around this go and listen to that podcast because we talk about that anger and aggression and owning it for ourselves. And we, you know, we share a lot more in there. So if you want more on that as an adult, you know, please go and listen to that one. It's a good one. Okay. This question is about highly sensitive children. I'm going to throw this to you, Marion, with your beautiful wisdom around highly sensitive people. Yeah. I was wondering if you had any advice for tantrums with highly sensitive kiddos. I plan as well as I can make make sure she's well rested fed knows what to expect but I feel like some days all the small things set her off and it's kind of big feelings after big feelings and by the end of the day I have no more space and I can feel myself getting more permissive just for the sake of peace but I know that's not serving either of us uh, as a highly sensitive person with all my family members as highly sensitive people I, I, I think number one is yes preventative so just really checking out to know that we do like we you know we're not so great on big groups who don't enjoy big groups so much um we prefer smaller things quieter things so having all that as a preventative and knowing that highly sensitive children just have bigger feeling responses so if they if they do go to a big thing we have a lot bigger feelings to express so number one preventative and number two is just the normal naturalness the, the, the little things if little things are setting her off it's similar to what we were talking about before it's just those are like the they're like the um the reminders of the feelings it's like yep yeah, there's still feelings there so i would say and i think we're going to talk about this in some of the future questions that are coming is if it's big feelings after big feelings and by the end of the day you have no more space is there a way that you can you know basically what can you do to support yourself it might be that having supporting her to have lots of big feelings in the morning so that they don't need to keep coming up and keep coming up so basically it's like holding holding the big feelings to come out more all in one chunk that might be more of a way that's uh, more you have more capacity to do that some people will prefer lots little and often for me I'd prefer like one or two really big ones and then a nice calm rest of the day so it, it, you know if she's in a in a tantrum it's like almost like um 
it's reminding her of the feelings if she starts to come out of it but clearly there's a lot still there could you keep reminding her of it and it sounds a bit unenjoyable it isn't it's just like because those feelings are still there it's almost like saying sweetheart I'm still here you have more to share with me I'm still listening mm. and it may be also just making you know this is all balance of attention stuff making eye contact I'm right here still I'm still listening have you got more to share with me? Mm. The more that comes out there, the, the less it's going to be like ding, 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 ding. Uh, yes, I love that so much because it's, it's it's going to come up in some of these other questions now, but it's something that pops up a lot for people of like, I listen, but then there's more, you know, and then a half an hour later, they're heating again or this and that. And, and I often lean into, yes, are we getting to completion? Like, are we getting to really the juice of <laughs> the juice of the feelings? Um because it might be that they're angry and then they calm quite quickly, but they actually haven't moved into some bigger tears and it hasn't, you know, they haven't then kind of wanted to come in close and just their whole body softened and you see that beautiful coming back to that homeostasis space, you know, perhaps it hasn't moved into that place. So I love what you're saying, Marion. It's, it's maybe just going, do we need to hold it a little bit longer or help them stay in it a bit longer to move the feelings more? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I cut you off then. Did you have anything else you no, wanted to no, say? No, you didn't cut me off. It was like, not what you added. It's maybe probably going to say more of this, but again, if we're thinking about balance of attention, balance mm. of attention is the key to everything in a way parenting. On the one mm. side, it's our connection, our presence, our capacity. On the other side, it's reminding them of the feelings. So it may be in order to help them stay in those feelings for longer and express more at one time. We need to move in with, uh, you know, I'm still here and listening. Or we might need to just reconnect them with the limit over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not winning for you to, I don't know, have another cookie, sweetheart. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not winning to read you any more books. Whatever the limit is, mm-hmm. that might be the thing. And again, we need to listen to our own capacity. But for me, I find personally, I'm much more prefer, you know, as I say, one or two big expressions and big, big releases rather than you know every half an hour that's just much easier I think yes yeah okay so length of tantrums Uh, another question when lots of little tantrums keep occurring how do you respectfully engineer a release of big feelings so this is really similar I'm continually holding space but feel like the whole day is punctuated with tantrums I just want my child to be in balance we also have a new family member four-month-old brother which I know is contributing that's big so I mean I just want to say really similar to how we just answered then is perhaps it is about making sure that we have enough spaciousness to be able to help your older child really move into those bigger feelings now that can be really tricky when you've got a bubba as well because you might be tending to the baby's needs and I know for me when I was navigating newborns and then older siblings and um and there were big feelings there you know during the day or if I was the only parent on my own I would I would do the best I could, but I often feel like we didn't get to the bottom of where we needed to. And then when my partner would get home and he would take care of the other kids, I would really make my presence really clean and clear so that they could move into a deeper expression of the feelings. And I knew I had space. I didn't have to feed the baby at the same time or get dinner on, but I was a lot more present and they often would feel that. And so then they would move it when they were ready. Um, But sometimes that would take a few days until I had the space to do it and then that's when it would come out. You know, I I found the more that we did aware parenting, the more we would always kind of find our rhythm that the kids would know, hey, it feels better for me to let my feelings out. 
and they would kind of wait till the perfect time when I did have space. And then that it's almost like they'd walk in their room and go, you ready? Okay, here we go. <laughs> so then they would just bring whatever it is that they wanted to bring. Um, it is a very delicate balance though, um, when you have a little baby and with an older one. And, and I think it does come back to that again of, um, like we always talk about how we're not really meant to be raising babies and kids on our own in our families without support. So a lot of compassion to the journey that we're in. And sometimes we are just having to do the best we can, which is perhaps we, we do have to be a bit more permissive during the day because we don't have it in us to actually hold the space until somebody else is around. So I think we have to be really kind and compassionate to ourselves that we're doing the best we can. Yes, exactly. I do also want to add one more other thing, which is if there's little and often uh, tantrums, is number one is helping them be longer. This means that you know more gets to be released and expressed, so there's less left. It's a little bit like sugar in the sugar bowl. <laughs> the more comes out, the less is in there. But also, it's about intensity. So it can be particularly if we are haven't got particularly comfortable with big intense feelings, which again might be about us needing to have more listening time with an empathy buddy or support from the way parenting instructor so we get more comfortable with our own expression of our own frustration our own outrage so that we actually feel more comfortable with them expressing it more loudly bigger more intensely so we may be in an often inadvertently um, they might get to a loudness or a pitch where we're you know we're just inadvertently communicating to them that you know we we, we don't really quite have the capacity to listen to it that big and that loud mm -hmm. so as we get more and more comfortable with that then we can listen to the really big intense loud expression which is beautiful and natural and healthy and that means again they get it out it's like the bigger the longer the more intense the more it just comes out in one or two goes and then it's not just going to be this constant doom, 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 mm. they're dipping yeah. into those feelings but again that takes time that requires a lot of compassion for us in our own journey and mm. you know if, if we don't have capacity for that we don't but we can again it's where we come back to always why our own inner work is so important is the more we get to do that the more comfortable we're going to be with that yeah that outrage I so hear you the other thing is if we're feeling if we've got literally in the moment unexpressed frustration and outrage and powerlessness and our child's trying to express it and we're doing everything we can to suppress the the hell out of it we're not going to be able to really listen very much we're going to be like yeah yeah I'll listen to it okay now what can we do now because we're like ah, I'm repressing all mine I need to repress yours too so again the gift of what can we do to help ours be released in lovely healthy yes. supported ways that is such the beautiful reminder isn't it of just that we can only listen often to the capacity that we're listening to ourselves or we're being heard so it's really important that we keep getting our needs met as well as we always talk about here what do we need for us do we need listening do we need some space do we, what do we need as well so we can we can turn up and be as spacious as possible uh, there's another question which is really similar which is just about it has a one-year-old who's tantruming maybe 15 20 times a day all that kind of stuff you know doesn't seem like they're kind of getting back into the balance so similar kind of things of what we've just said before about perhaps making sure that we are really present and holding that you know to the level that your little one might need to do or um you know just where you're sitting with your feelings as well um 
I was going to move on to another question. Just I'm super aware, Marion, we have a lot of questions, so I'm going to keep moving. Um, here's another one. I find it when I sit there and hold the space with a tantrum, it goes on and on and on. Is there a point at which you can say, okay, enough now, or distract for a two-and-a-half-year-old? <laughs> I, I like this, this question. The opposite, the opposite of the other. This would be like the, this person would probably like the, the other one. <laughs> Just to know, yes, we always yes. can. If we if we do not have capacity, if we're starting to feel frustrated or dissociated or tired, we can always say, but I always find it's helpful rather than okay enough now to think if we were in the middle of a cry or tantrum to a bestie and they, you know, how would we like to hear that information? So I always, again, think it's helpful to say something like, I see that you've still got feelings, sweetheart, and I would really love to listen um, but I'm feeling really tired now or hungry or whatever. And so I'm going to I'm going to invite you to pause and you can distract them with your usual favorite dis- distractive control pattern that might be, you know, if you give them a dummy or food or screens or whatever it is, rocking them, whatever you choose. Um, but to know those feelings are still going to be sitting there. And actually, if we do have the capacity, it is going to mean that they are able to sleep more relaxedly. They're going to be more gentle. They're going to be more cooperative. And, um, you know, the more we listen to, the more those other things aren't going to happen that all the other people were saying, you know, dunga, dunga, many tantrums are going to happen. Yeah, and I think it also comes back to that point too is to really tune into how present are we being because we might be like, yeah, yeah, come on, keep going, bring the feelings, but we're actually <laughs> thinking about the email we need to send. We're not really present. We're actually not there. And children will feel that. So I find that they won't often move to that completion space if we're not really present. Like there's a quality of presence that they ask for. And if we're not there for whatever reasons, because it feels too confronting or we're exhausted or whatever, which again is all okay, that's where we might not be seeing it move to that resolve. You know, I have shared this story before once. I remember one time when my youngest was really upset. She was must have been about four or five and she was having like wanted to have a big release. And I remember just looking at her going, darling, I, I just can't. And I just went, do you want chocolate? <laughs> like I literally just tried to give her chocolate. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, I don't want sugar. I want you to listen to my feelings. And I remember just thinking, oh, my God, I've, like, created a monster. <laughs> she wouldn't take the bribe. She wouldn't take the, she wouldn't take the distraction. She wouldn't at all she was just like don't try and give me sugar like listen to me and I remember kind of laughing after she said it because I was like oh okay yep you want me to be present and I and I could like because it kind of was this nice pattern interrupt where I thought wow wow you really know what it feels like to be listened to and you are not going to settle for anything less so okay let's do it and we did and then it passed quickly but I tried so please know to all those parents out there who have offered your kids screens or chocolate or whatever, oh, yeah. it's human. Like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. There's some times where I'm like, you do whatever you need to do because we have to, we're human. All right. Another question, which is what exactly do you say to your toddler to let them know you're there for them during their meltdown? It's hard to feel like you're doing the right thing when they're just running around screaming and don't want to be held or talk. I think, again, it's really important to differentiate the a tantrum that's healing and releasing from them running around either distracting themselves basically so they're running around but it's it's not really you can just tell and especially as you get more used to this if if that's not um actually leading to the release of the feelings it's going to be helpful for us 
again thinking about it that balance of attention that we need to they need to feel our presence so often it can be actually following them around and almost being a little bit annoying but we're not being annoying we're actually helping them feel the feelings and again you can imagine this if you have a partner you're really close with and you're doing everything you can to distract them if they just kind of came over close and going put, put their hand on your shoulder and said i'm i'm here i'm i'm listening what's going on for you sweetheart we do need to be proactive to help keep that balance of attention. And it might be saying things like, um, I'm right here, I'm listening. Yeah, and again, the loving limit, if they're, if they're running away, I see that you're running around, I'm gonna keep close with you, sweetheart. And they might go, no, and then have a big cry. So we, we need to be holding that balance of attention in mind mm. to, to, mm. Help, to help it be enough of a, uh, an expression that's actually healing and releasing. Mm. And I also think too, especially for toddlers, oh, look, I think anybody who's in their big feeling body, we don't really have words at that point to often express how we're feeling. We might just need to cry. We might need to be angry or, um, I mean, as adults, we're better at expressing where it is. But for little people, definitely often if we say what's wrong or use your words, like they, it's, that's usually not there. They're kind of more in the, I'm just feeling frustrated or, you know, they might not be able to tell you what they're feeling. And I often look at it this way with the word parenting. We don't need to know the why. We just need to see what's there. We need to see what's there and go, hmm, there's something going on. What you're showing me at this moment is you feel powerless or you feel frustrated or you feel out of control or you feel upset. So I'm just going to meet that. I'm going to meet that with compassion. I'm going to meet that with, hey, I'm right here for you. And I trust your ability to move through this and I'm here and you're safe. And that's what it is. Often it's our brains and us wanting to know why, why are you upset? What happened and how do we fix it instead of actually, well, I can just meet here with you and see what happens. And I love those words you said, because I went back to the question. It's also what we can say. And I, I just have my classic ones that I have outwardly, but also internally is I'm right here. I'm listening. Mm. Uh, I see you're letting out some big feelings. I'm right here with you. I'm going to mm. stay here with you. I love you. Mm. you just, I'm here. I'm listening. I love you. I used to say to my kids, you're doing a really good job. Keep going. Keep going. Letting it all out. I, I what used else? to mind letting it all out, sweetheart. You're letting it all out. You're doing yeah. so beautifully. I'm right yeah. here. Just yeah. like, and again, as it can be, and I think can be as much also for us and for our experiences as younger people that we're also talking to those past experiences in us and those younger parts of us we're also saying to them yeah I'm here I'm listening yes. not on your own here yes yes beautiful so another question how do you be there for them during a meltdown if comfort is met with no 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 um, they say do you simply be there but stay silent so I think this ties into what we were talking about before of that kind of balance of attention of you know, when children have got feelings and they don't want to lean into them, they might run away or they'll push you away or they'll, they're kind of saying, no, don't come close to me with your love and compassion because it means the feelings are going to come up and I don't want to feel them. So it is, it's moving in gently and it may be being quiet and then just saying something like, I'm right here or keep going and, and that might make them angrier. And then, you, you know, again, you know, you're closer to the, the kind of sweet spot of where those feelings are really sitting that might come out. So I think it is, it's, each child is very different. Some need touch, some need to, you know, to be quiet. You might just want to say things. It's a delicate dance. It's a really delicate dance, but the energy that you're coming with is I'm here to keep you safe and I'm here to 
help you if you need and I'm here to to just to listen and that's the energy so even if they're saying no 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 your presence even if you're quiet and being there with them is a beautiful thing and I think it's always thinking it's like exactly always like the the minimum possible like so if they're saying no 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 it's like knowing that we're the ones that's helping that balance for tension so again okay what happens if we if we move a little bit out and say less do they then start sucking your thumb or dissociating do we then need to move in a little bit more with more eye contact more warmth coming closer so that's why when we understand the balance for tension it kind of answers all the questions because we just go do I do I need to move in a bit more do I need to move out a bit more do I need to offer that reminder that loving limit that play uh, so we can always and, and it is like a dance it's like um uh any kind of partner dance it's so we're so we're, we're like moving with them they're dancing and we're moving with them and we're listening and we listen to what our bodies say and we're, we're trying something out it's so attuned and mm. and so individual in each experience mm, i agree i agree it is a dance it is such a dance okay next questions around holding how do we how to keep child calm or safe if they don't want to be held so i want to say as a preface holding is such a big topic and it's always something to be um you know really thought of with a lot of awareness and a lot of diligence and um so to answer this question in particular they children don't need to be held in order for crying or tantrums to be healing yes a baby always needs to be held or we need to be right there close with them touching them so that they know you know we know that we're meeting their closeness needs if a child is having a tantrum um we don't need to hold them if they're already in the tantrum they're doing what they need i mean yes if they're hurting themselves in any way we need to make sure we stop that so that might be putting pillows underneath them or moving them with a loving limit if they're you know doing something to hurt themselves and preventing that but we don't so again it's you know each example will be different based on that dance but they don't necessarily need they don't need to be held once they can move and walk they don't actually need to be held yeah so here's the next question which again can give another kind of um side to that is when you have to physically contain or hold them to keep them safe i feel so guilty restraining my toddler against his will when he's trying to hurt himself or others or it's dangerous to let him run off to tantrum he does eventually calm down enough to just have those feelings laying next to me but i feel like i had to manhandle him a lot first so again i think it's like doing the minimum possible but if a mm. child is going to hurt themselves or hurt others we you know that often means that they are actually needing more of that limit. So loving limits can be from words into more like preventing, you know, them from hitting like with the hand. So again, we do the minimum possible. They're trying to hit. We might just gently hold the hand and say, I'm not willing for you to hit, sweetheart. I'm right here and I'm listening. And some children may at some times need more of a holding container. But again, it's doing the minimum possible. And again, always observing. So we come back to observation all the time here is if we have done some degree of that and they have the big expression so often if a child is at that point where they're hitting or they, you know they're they're hurting themselves another when we hold them and they have a big tantrum what we'll find is often as the feelings um, are being released and released from release they start to feel calm in their bodies we can be holding them in exactly the same position with exactly the same amount of containment and they will be relaxed they will get more and more relaxed they might they'll cuddle in they might move more into crying rather than more of the raging 
So it's often, again, through deeply observing them, it's very nuanced, it's very, it's kind of almost advanced, I don't even like that word, but we, you know, we need to have a lot of experience to do, to be holding and to be really sure that actually it's helping them and it's helping them release more and that we're doing it from a place of calmness, not power over. And again, that we're doing the minimum possible, but also enough because it's no service to a child to not move in with enough of a limit and for them to be hitting other kids or hurting themselves or throwing stuff. That is not of service to them. So mm -hmm. I think that will help them release the guilt if we observe mm -hmm. how are they before and how are they afterwards? They feel relaxed and calm in their bodies. Yeah. Are they smiling? Are they gentle? Are they yes. just feeling relieved that they're not holding all that fight, flight, fear, yeah. tension, rage in their bodies anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And I look, it is, I, I love how you explain that, Marion. It is a very, it is a delicate space to sit in for sure. And you are right. It takes a lot of practice to, to not then power over and to not, um, to be, quite gentle with it but also have that presence in that container like I used to often take my children into the bedroom and close the door and kind of sit in front of the door or be in there and that usually was a big enough kind of container for them to feel angry or upset about occasionally I would you know hold just if they were hurting somebody or something and and I would always say I'm just holding you to keep us safe sweetheart I'm 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 not here to hurt you I'm just here to keep you safe and and so and what would sometimes happen is you know being in my arms or me holding like they push up against it and I'd kind of let them go a little bit then I'd hold them again and sometimes what would happen is if they really did have some big feelings there even sometimes when I'd let them go they'd come back and make me put my arms around them again so they could push against me so they'd want to push their feet against my arms or something it was like their body was like I need something to push up against to move what's sitting in my body but I really want to just second what you said it's um you have to be really centered as you do it so that we don't power over them and that we're not you know, we are doing the least amount possible, as you say, of making sure they still have autonomy and will to move as they need to. But it is important when somebody, if they're hurting someone else or hurting themselves, that we can we can do that to make sure to keep them safe. There is a there is another just part another question here which says similar keeping everyone safe and stopping dangerous or destructive behavior during tantrums. How to do this whilst also allowing the feelings to be expressed. And I truly mean dangerous, not just yelling or banging things like scratching or hitting others or being near something dangerous like scissors they won't let go of whilst having a tantrum. It looks sometimes you know again I would just reiterate everything that we've just said but sometimes it is about taking your child into another room if you can now that can be tricky if you've got other children you're still meant to be looking after but sometimes removing them from that space with you and in a bedroom where perhaps there isn't stuff that they can damage whether they throw some pillows or stuff that's okay um and just you know, staying really as close as possible to make sure that they're not damaging stuff. I often used to have a pillow <laughs> that I would hold just in case they lashed out that I could just block it with the pillow, you know, and I'd be like, I know you feel mad and I'm here. And I would keep myself safe with that. And, you know, just also really know that they were just trying to move some bigger stuff that was going on. Have you got anything else to add to that, Mary? Yeah, I think it's really important as well to know that when children are doing that, when they're doing, uh, so what is it, you know, scratching, hitting, they, they are in the midst of that fight or flight. They're often, they could be feeling terror, you know, big fear, outrage, powerlessness. 
So often that is why they do need more. If we're thinking about a loving limit, that's like the 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 end point of this. Uh, again, uh, what's that word again? Spectrum. It's like Spectrum. they need more of a limit in order to feel safe, and particularly mm. if it can be um, sometimes bring up really early feelings if they've ever had medical procedures or you know what if they had that during birth experience sometimes we need they need more of that containment in order to feel safe especially if they're feeling those really big things so for us to be there saying i'm right here with you and i've got you and i'm not willing for anyone to get hurt and i'm here to keep everyone safe and us staying calm in our bodies where we're doing a lot to actually prevent that it's not of service for them to do any of those banging scratching hitting it's like supporting them to release the energy in a healthy way so that they're not hurting themselves or others. Mm -hmm. And that does mean we need to, again, doing the minimum, but we do need to ramp, ramp up that, um, you know, both the love in terms of the containment, but also the, the limit in terms of stopping mm -hmm. from, from hurting or doing dangerous mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, beautiful. So that leads on to another point, another question here, which is my son's tantrums often involve him hitting his head or banging it on the floor. How to discourage this without it seem like I'm trying to stop him expressing his feelings. The same loving limit. I, and I'm not wanting for you to hurt your head. I'm not wanting for you to hit your head and doing whatever you can. So that might be um, getting in close and holding his head or putting a pillow in there, but just so that he can still express the feelings and the rage that's there, but without him hurting himself. And just again, loving mm. limit. I see how frustrated you are, sweetheart. Mm. I see your big feelings. I'm not wanting for you to bang your head. So mm. stopping it, it's still, it's, and actually often what happens is when we offer the loving limit means the actual feelings really bubble up, the, the rage that's underneath that mm. um, behaviour. Yeah. Okay, we had another question here, which was just about how do you juggle a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a one-year-old, like listening to their feelings when you've got both of them around? And I think we, we touched on that earlier about, you know, sometimes it is just being able to have that presence when you do have some other support at home. It is very tricky juggling to little ones. And, um, and you know, I, I think it just comes back to, again, how resourced we are, you know, where we can have some support so that we can maybe just have some one-on-one -on -one time with your two-and-a-half-year-old. And that's where maybe you do start off with some attachment play or some special time and you just have presence with him um or with, with your older one and so then you know that that beautiful presence that you bring together in that connection may bring the feelings up you might then have a limit that you want to set and then you're able to do it but it definitely is a juggle I just have a lot of empathy and compassion for parents who've got little people and they're doing it at home on their own and they're trying to do it with parenting mm -hmm. it's amazing it's so extraordinary but please know that you know you've you you like just you you know doing the best you can is amazing it's so amazing yeah yeah and the other thing is if they are having a tantrum often if they're already having a tantrum and they're letting it all out and they're not hurting anyone that's mm. wonderful and your attention is enough just to say i see you sweetheart you're letting it all out i'm listening whilst mm. holding the baby like just again trusting that balance of attention if they're expressing the feelings it's great we you know mm. we don't need to be all in there just you know it's enough your attention and your love is enough just by saying yeah. i see you i'm listening yeah yeah beautiful so this question was love to hear your take on conflict resolution not only among siblings but also between child and parent and partner to partner so this is probably a bit different to what we're talking about with tantrums but and we talked a little bit about this in our siblings podcast around um repairing with each other um you know, look, I, I think where parenting really talks about 
democratic problem solving, which is about listening to everybody's feelings and coming back with how do we all get our needs met here and do you need to repair? Like that's kind of their different phrases and things that we would do as far as when, um, you know, if there was conflict with our siblings. Um, when we're looking at conflict resolution between child and parent, I always look at it this way as, as the parent, I'm the one that has to bring the calm and look behind the behaviour of what the child's doing. It's never my child's job to make me feel better ever. So if we if I have yelled at my child or if there is something, I will always come back and, and apologise and, you know, um, really if, have you got feelings there around what happened when I did that and um, what do you need and, and just really model um, that you know, compassion, empathy for myself, but also to them to just say, you know, how can I repair with you? You know, I think our children learn to do it when they witness it. So when we do it to our partners, when we do it to them, you know, they learn, they pick up the tools and the ways to be able to do that with each other as well. And the same with partner to partner. It's, it's so much of it is owning our behaviour. As adults, I think the biggest challenge we have as adults is owning our feelings. We just constantly project our stuff onto everyone else. And so whenever we do have a fight, perhaps with our partner, my thing is always, well, what do I need to own here? What is going on for me? What need is not being met here? What feelings are popping up for me? Um, what do I need to do to move into my heart to connect with my partner and own my part in the story? So you know, there's, there's lots more we could say on this, but I, I think it always, for me as the adult, is what are we modelling to our children? How do we stay connected to our own feelings? Um, what would respect and compassion and empathy look like as we navigate moving forward here? That's that's what I always come back to. Is there anything else you want to add, Marion? No, said it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we're almost at the end. Older children having tantrums, big feelings, a seven-year-old, and siblings feeling distressed by the big feelings, the noise, especially if the tantrum is directed at the sibling. He or she did X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's two different scenarios. One is if the if the another sibling is feeling upset when a, another sibling's having a tantrum, often that can be just helping them connect with their own feelings. So again, we can just be listening to both. I really hear that you feel upset when they when they're having a tantrum. I'm right here. I'm listening. Often they might go into expression as well. But if it's different, if it's the she did X, Y, and Z. And again, I would see that as a bit different to a tantrum. I'd see that's more in the aggression or kind of blaming thing. And, and, and so basically any kind of aggression, whether it's physical, verbal, the aim is we're saying, we're saying no to aggression. We're saying yes to expression. A tantrum is not aggression. A tantrum is expression. So I see it a bit like a volcano. If the volcanic energy is coming out via aggression, it's our job as the parent to, to offer that loving limit, I see it like the volcano, so that the volcano is not coming out there, so that the volcano comes out in really just kind of neutral, healthy expression. And if it's, if it's not coming out neutrally, I think it's really important to, yeah, for maybe like to take them to a different room if they're saying they did it. It's not helpful for another sibling to be hearing that harsh language. It might even be, you know, saying, um, sweetheart, you know, put headphones on and go and watch your favorite program while I listen to your brother, you know, whatever you can do, just enacting more emotional violence is not going to help that other child. So I don't think I said that very articulately. Could you, could you add to that? Leo? No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I think what you said is beautiful. I, I think it is. It's that 
what I'm hearing you say is that particularly if we're projecting it onto somebody else, you know, and and siblings can do this, you know, then that it is, it is more of that aggressive energy and and perhaps what we're needing to do is is really seeing the buildup of stuff underneath that, you know, do we need to do that more often so that it doesn't have to get to that point? You know, I, I have had that with my family where my kids have like, you know, she's terrible and this and that. And what I have said is to the child that they're talking about, you know, your brother's got some big feelings around this. I'm going to go with him and listen to it. This isn't about you. He's got a whole lot of feelings going on. And we would have that conversation often, you know, because we, from a young age, I talk to my children about that emotional awareness. What do we do when we're, when we don't want to feel something, we get angry and we project it onto, we make it someone else's fault. So these are things and, and stuff we used to talk about a lot when they were younger so that they developed the insight and the understanding of like, Hey, when I'm angry, what's going on for me here? As soon as I want to make it about you, I am trying to, I'm shifting it out of me. I'm becoming the victim and I'm really placing it on your shoulders. If only you did this, then my life would be better. And so I used to talk to my kids about this from a really young age. So they developed the awareness that when they were angry, they're like, I'm really pissed off about this. This is what's going on for me. This is what is what I'm frustrated about or where my needs are not getting met, you know, so that they began to learn that projecting onto their sibling wasn't really going to get them far anyway, you know, and they were just avoiding what was sitting underneath. Now, that's not necessarily a concept we're talking to a four-year-old about, but I think, as you said, if we can take the children to another room, sometimes when that happened and, you know, one of my siblings was mean to the other one, I would then go and tune in with the other one how did that feel healing, hearing that? Do you have some feelings about that? What is going on for you? I would just listen to their feelings and trust that they would bring me what they needed to around what that felt like. And, and the more I've done this with the way of parenting, the more we'd have these conversations, the times where my siblings would pick, uh, my siblings, my kids would pick on each other or that kind of stuff. And then I'd go and check in with the other one and it'd go, well, how did that feel? They were saying some pretty harsh words. They'd go, oh, it's got nothing to do with me. They're just projecting this stuff onto me. And I'd go, great. <laughs> okay, good. You got it. And they were, they're okay. That's as they grew up. They really got it. They're like, this has got nothing to do with me. They're just, you know, so I'd be like, brilliant. You've got that. And do you know what? That held them so beautifully in secondary school. And I have to tell you, because by the time all my kids got to secondary school and they had grumpy teachers who would project their stuff onto the students, you know, my kids would come home and they'd talk about it and they'd go, oh God, this teacher's got so many feelings and they don't know how to process them. And they just make the kids wrong all the time. And I'd go, how does that feel for you? And they'd go, it just rolled off them. They're like, it's got nothing to do with me. They're just projecting their stuff onto me. And I'd be like, yes, this is amazing. What a life lesson to get when you're young to realize that when someone's projecting all their stuff at you it's actually more about them than what they're saying right and to actually go hey I'm not willing to wear that because that's not mine so yeah so amazing and I was thinking that just before you shared that last story imagine if every adult or most adults had that and we would live in a really different world so oh yeah you've got some big feelings you know I'm not going to take anything personally that you say about me and I'm you know I'm here and listening or you know or not if we don't want to listen but to not take things personally Make a big That's it. That's, I mean, that as a concept in your adult relationship with your intimate partner, it's pretty huge. It's pretty huge. Like, as I was saying before, my husband like used to get into the angry cleaning and when he would start getting into angry cleaning, he would, in the beginning, what he used to do is he'd say things to me like, oh, you're so lazy and you're this and you're that. And and I, I know cleaning is not one of my highest values at all. I don't do it that well. I don't really care about it. I'd rather pay someone to do it. Um and so he would like go to have a dig at me around those things. And 
And I know myself enough to go, oh, that's probably true, but I'm not wearing any of that because that's your projections around what's going on. And so sometimes I'd laugh when you'd say it and it'd make him a bit angry because I'd be like, whatever, don't, just don't, don't hand me all that stuff, babes. What's really happening here? You can say as many things as you like to me. I, I know I am enough and I know that I'm okay. And what's going on here is you're trying to deflect what you don't want to feel by making me wrong or making something wrong. So let's just get into it. <laughs> and then, you know, we would, but yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. We could do a whole podcast on oh, yes. relationships with this. Couldn't we? All right. One last question. This is a long podcast. My goodness. We're almost been an hour and a half. Okay. So this, and this one finishes it off beautifully, our feelings. So strategies to manage your own emotions during toddler tantrums. I'm very calm in my work as an early childhood educator, but can't stop myself getting flustered and angry with my two and a half year old when he has a tantrum, which makes it worse for him well first of all lots of love to you and basically it's interesting to say manage so i would say in, in, how about inquiring into and again with with someone else is always really helpful or if you have your own practices to listen in to the usual questions which are things like um what does this remind me of what am i telling myself what do i need um, all of the usual questions to actually see it as an opportunity. Like if we are, um, if we're feeling flustered and angry, our child is helping us connect with something that's really important to listen to. And the more we attend to that, the more we do our inner work, the more we get our support with that, the more we're going to actually be stay calm and feel calm and relaxed during that. And that might also mean that we have ways to to be with ourselves you know I have my inner loving presence work so that might be connecting with that you know having our inner loving mother say I'm right here with you sweetheart so that you're not on your own with that you know whatever it is there can be a bazillion different reasons why we're going to have big feelings whilst they have a tantrum from all the memories where we wanted to have a tantrum and we didn't get to or we had a tantrum when we got sent to time out or we were punished or shamed or no, a bazillion different things that could be stirred up for us. Yes, and and I love all that, Marion. And I would just invite you to go and have some listening time around it. Like, talk to someone. What does it feel like when your son has a tantrum? And um, oh, sorry, your two and a half year old. I don't know if you said son, but your little one when they have a tantrum. Like, what does it feel like for you? What comes up? Like, they're beautiful places to start. To start talking and inquiring and feeling into what is alive for you in that moment and it's so not uncommon like you, you know many people say this they work with children all the time and they're completely calm and yet they come home to their own child and their four-year-old does one thing and then they lose it it's our beautiful children are here to make us grow and expand they, I keep saying to my clients they're trying to up level us right they're trying to get us to to do the work to work through our stories so that we don't you know, we don't project all our unfinished business onto them. So, you know, your beautiful little one is doing a great job at tapping into those points that feel raw for you to help you shift and move. So, you know, it's a gift, even though it doesn't feel like it. It's a gift. Yeah. And I add one little thing as well, like particularly if you are working with children in your in your other life, but even if you're not, is just as, um, you know, there's something about being in a family you know being with our children we know when we're not going to leave our child we're going to they're going to be living with us probably for 18 or more years and there's something about that that actually also supports our feelings and that balance of tension for us to feel actually have more um, emotional safety to for the big feelings that didn't ever get to be expressed to come out so again it's part of that process it's part of what's designed to happen 
And again, just like for our children, if they've got big feelings coming up, they need that to have enough support in order for that to be healing. Same with us. If we've got big feelings coming up, we need that emotional support, whether it's external or internal, for, those, for that expression, for those feelings to be healing. Mm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, that was an epic podcast. That was long. Well done. If you've lasted to the end, everybody. How many, how many coffee breaks slash <laughs> juice breaks slash chocolate breaks do you have? <laughs> I am wondering if, well, I'm hoping that that's given you some tools and other insights and um, yeah, some stuff to work with, with your little ones or big ones around their, their feelings. So I hope it's given you some good juice. There's, there's, I would just like to say to finish it off, you know, this is remembering, as we always say in every podcast, most of us were not responded to in the way we deeply desired or needed when we were little, when we had tantrums. So this is why this feels hard and this is why it feels big and why it can sometimes feel clunky and why we feel like we get it wrong and then some days we'll get it right and it takes practice it takes practice and practice and practice because for most of us we have never actually been heard when we get really angry and upset and have had space held for us to process and to experience and express everything that we deeply feel like not many people have had that experience so we are asking you to do that and that's tricky when you have never really maybe haven't seen it, you haven't experienced it yourself. So that's why so much compassion for where you are and what we're doing. You know, this is, I look at it this way, you know, we 20, 30 years ago, it was still standard to smack children, right? So we've kind of moved up the scale a little bit where we go, it's actually not okay to smack kids, right? And then there's still a bit of shaming going on and there's still that kind of whole blaming and there's still, you know, that like trying to get them you know, coercing them into behavior. So we're still working through those pieces, right? I think still as a culture and society, we've still got a way to go as we get there. So just know that you are on the path when you listen to your kids' feelings or you welcome them and you express them, you are just doing such profound work in giving them the gift of being seen and heard in all of who they are. Mm, yes. Yum. Mm. <laughs> all right. Do you have an offering, Marion? What do you want to, what do you want to offer? Um, yeah, I'd love to say, you know, if you're newer to, to listening to your own feelings or having your feelings heard, is there something that you would have loved to have heard as a child whilst you were having a tantrum, like a phrase, and that might be one you might also like to use whilst your child is having a tantrum and maybe also repeating it to yourself, to the, to the younger parts in you. But if you're more experienced and you feel comfortable with listening to your feelings or being present in your body with this energy is or these feelings is, you know, what would you have loved to to receive? What what can you imagine being in the presence of an adult who is responding in exactly the way that you want to? And can you can you feel that in your body? Can you imagine it to be held in to be loved in that way, to be listened to in that way? And how do you feel when you imagine that? Mm, that's so beautiful. I would say, can the next time your child has a tantrum, can you imagine, this is what I do because I quite like visuals, I imagine that my heart is open and it's kind of shining a light towards my child, which keeps me in my centre, which makes me realise there's nothing wrong here, they're just expressing what they need. What do you need to do or what can you do or do you want to use that visualisation of just imagining your heart's open as you meet them in their big feelings and what does that feel like? Does it take away the, the thoughts of there's something wrong or, you know, I should be doing something or I need to stop this? Does it allow you to stay more present and actually see the beautiful natural process that exists for humans 
to feel. Um, yes. All right. Any any offerings you want to tell people about? Um, well, I do want to say I re- we both really, 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 really recommend Aletha Salter's book, Tears and Tantrums. Just everyone, if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, please go and have a look at um, awareparenting.com. I would recommend all of Aletha's books, reading them multiple, multiple times. They are just, you know, so much important and wonderful information in there. Um, number two, I do have a number of courses I would say making friends with children's feelings is probably most relevant for this um I love that course so um yes that's that how about you lovely Lael I don't have much I've got a couple's course you can do (laughs) if you want to work through some stuff with your partner um that's it I've got some new things coming soon next year early next year which is exciting so an intro intro to aware parenting as well I do that's like a just a two-hour webinar which is just if you're new to aware parenting and want to know more and I've got my sex ed courses if you want to know about how to talk to kids about sex and I've got one for teens and tweens and stuff so I've got all those on my website if if you're interested oh no I do have one thing I've got one thing coming up which is an actually in-person event and sorry to all those people who live in other places around the world but we do have a lot of people who live in Melbourne and listen um it's not strictly aware parenting but um my lovely friend colleague Bernadette from Core and Floor Restore we're holding a whole mother the centering the mother day it's called which is on the 12th of December so it's coming up uh it's in melbourne you can go to my instagram or facebook page and you'll see that i've got info there we're doing an in-person workshop this is the first in-person workshop i've done in probably two years so we're joining together she does lots of beautiful body work stuff and i'm going to bring all the juice around parenting and our feelings and stories and all that stuff so yes that's that's happening in a few weeks for anybody who's in melbourne amazing what an incredible opportunity mm. it'll be fun it'll be fun to be with people again mm. be good. all right let's leave it there thank you for hanging in there long podcast today thank you always for, for um, responding to our questions of what do you want to know it's so helpful for us to you know to get clear on what it is that you want to know and what's helping you so thank you we're, we're deeply appreciative of it mm. so much love to you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.